Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The craziest NFL story of the weekend is in Houston, Texas. So we're joined by sports media star, Houston media personality, my man, Mike Meltzer, to hopefully make sense of all of this. Mike, what's going on, buddy? Danny, it's been a crazy 24 hours. How are you? I am well. I honestly don't even understand what has happened to the Houston <laughs> Texans. Can you make sense of this thing? I guess the best way I can put it, Danny, is I think the best way to make sense of it is that whatever plans they had in the offseason with Brian Gain, their former GM, who they fired, let's see, almost three months ago, they clearly were not happy, and they made all these moves in some level, I think, out of desperation. What should have been done at some level or points or whatever in the last six months they're doing literally eight or nine days before the regular season begins. That's the best way I can describe it. How did they get into this desperate of a situation? That's a, that's a fascinating question also because the clowny thing to me is really bizarre. Like, what they did with him is complete and utter malpractice. Like, this is really not that hard, Danny, because Jadeveon Clowney is a very good player. He's not a great player. So he's not Khalil Mack, who you watch every week. He's not Aaron Donald. He's not as great as those players are. But I can tell you definitively this. He is absolutely as good as Frank, as Frank Clark is and as Demarcus Lawrence is. And those guys both got significant contracts this offseason. And to me, Clowney is just as good as those guys. So for the Texans, Danny, the calculation was really simple. Either you feel Clowney is worth his market rate or you trade him. It's perfectly fine to trade Clowney but you have to do it earlier in the offseason, and they should have done it before the NFL draft. But at the very, very least, they should have done it way before July 15th, which was the deadline for him to sign a long-term deal. Once that date passed, all of a sudden, his trade value went down. Trading Clowney after July 15th is the single thing about this that really makes no sense whatsoever to me. And so is that Bill O'Brien messing up because he's a coach and not a GM, but for some reason now he has both titles? I, I think you have to put the blame there. And it feels, it feels to me like it got a little bit personal between O'Brien and Clowney in that you just got the sense, like, I mean, I work with a guy in Paul Galan who had really good sources along these lines who kept hearing the last year that O'Brien was just not a huge fan of Clowney behind the scenes. And I think that probably part, that probably led to the reality of them not willing to give Clowney the kind of money that he was actually worth. And then botching the timing of the Clowney deal. Like, it, it almost feels to me, and I saw Mike Florio pro football talk right earlier today that he thinks it's possible that Texas would have rescinded the franchise tag on Clowney. I, I, I think Mike's not crazy on that because it seems like the, the waters were so poisoned that Clowney may have actually missed $1 million game checks every single week because things have gotten so bad. We're talking to Mike Meltzer, Houston media personality. Which of these trades is most egregious in your mind? Clowny, no doubt. Clowny is an utter disaster. I mean, it's a disgrace. Listen, you and I could have pulled this off easier because we know the basics. I laid out the contract stuff. Clowney is worth a certain amount. It's very clear. His comparable. So either he's worth it or you trade him much earlier in the offseason. Fine. 
You and I could have done that. You don't do it after July 15th. You don't do it when the well is poisoned. And you don't trade them for a third-round pick and a bunch of random guys in Barkevius Mingo and this Jacob Martin guy. Like, the, the clowny deal to me is utterly and totally indefensible. So obviously they're worse in the future because they don't have the draft picks. But are they better in 2019, Mike? I think they probably are. I mean, they're better in the sense of, like, if I just took my savings and, like, bought a house tomorrow, we, we, we could have a conversation on Friday of, like, hey, is Mike Meltzer in a better house or living in a better bedroom with a better bathroom than he was the previous weekend? Like, yeah, he is, but it's not a financial decision, right? But, yes, I think ultimately, because of two reasons. One, Laramie Tunsil is a big deal for them. They had a gaping hole left tackle. They could not fix that gaping hole the entire offseason. That's a big deal. Everybody knows Deshaun Watson was playing behind a horrific offensive line, not just last season, but the year before as well. And Tunsil, as you mentioned, is a very good young left tackle, which is a, I think it's a tremendously rare commodity in the NFL. And the other thing is this. As disgraceful as the clowny trade was, the Texans do have a quasi-replacement in that what they can do now, like this is actually like the, the Bill Simmons-Ewing theory, which I think you would appreciate. They have Whitney Merciless, and they have J.J. Watt. Everybody knows about J.J. Watt and what he, what he can do and what he will do. But Whitney Merciless is a guy who has had a double-digit sack season. He's a good player. He's played out of position the last couple of years because of what Romeo Cornell has had to do with Clowney, with moving those guys around. Now that Clowney's no longer there, even though they're losing the talent, I think in terms of style and just playing a certain system, them having Watt and Merciless rushing off the edge, I think they can actually survive that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I've called Whitney Merciless the most underrated player in the NFL, but it, it reeks of what the Raiders did. Like, the Raiders traded Khalil Mack, and then we're like, yep. uh, we're screwed. We don't have a pass rush. Let's overdraft Cleveland Farrell. Cleveland Farrell, nice player. Probably not worth the fourth pick in the draft. It's like, yeah, okay, you've got a replacement for Clowney, but if he's not as good, why did you create the hole to begin with? I mean, that's the amazing part. It, it, uh, again, I, I just I can't figure out. And, and here's another thing, and I, and I tweeted this yesterday. The Texans, they'll, they'll have less cap space moving forward. But right now, like at this very second, they have gobs of cap space. They, I think they have the second or third most in the NFL. So here's a very easy thing. If you actually had a plan, like if you and I, Daniel, were running the Texans and we didn't like Clowney, we would sit there in February and say, all right, Here's a realistic possibility. Clowney may not be on our football team next season. What do we do? Well, we like Whitney Merciless. We like J.J. Watt, obviously. Why not use some of this cap space to bring in an interior pass rusher, which they don't have whatsoever. Gerald McCoy signed for, I think, one year, $8 million with Carolina. Malik Jackson signed for three years, $30 million with the Philadelphia Eagles. If this organization, the Texans, had any foresight whatsoever, if they recognized their own evaluation of Clowney and realized Clowney wouldn't be there in 2019, or at the very least, very least that it was a distinct possibility, then they would have signed one of those guys. And then what I just mentioned to you, having Watt and Merciless, then it would be even better by using some of that cash space that you saved in the Clowney deal. I just... I, Everything I just laid out there to you, I think, is a very easy, simple solution. It makes plenty of sense. And I don't even know if they genuinely considered this at NRG Stadium, which is the baffling thing to me. God, it makes less and less sense, even though you're talking about it and trying to explain it. It's insane. We're talking to Mike Meltzer down in Houston. Follow him on Twitter, at Mike Meltzer. 
So can you give me the backstory on the Texans offensive line? Because I thought that they got rid of Dwayne Brown because he was outspoken about Kaepernick and against the owner. And then they just traded for Kenny Stills, who was outspoken in support of Kaepernick. What, what the hell's going on here? The Kenny Stills thing will be interesting, but the, the Dwayne thing, and I'll give the coaching staff, and I think even the front office, Rick Smith at the time, a pass on that. I think that was an issue between Dwayne Brown and Bob McNair. Their politics didn't align. Uh, McNair was not a fan of Dwayne Brown raising his fist when all that Kaepernick stuff was going on a few years ago. And it was also a combination of that and Dwayne Brown recognizing his value, that he was a relatively top-notch left tackle. They weren't willing to give him the money. And so I think they made a trade, which was forced by circumstance. I don't think O'Brien would have traded Dwayne Brown two years ago I don't think that I don't think O'Brien had any interest in doing that. I just think that's the situation that the poor relationship between Dwayne Brown and the owner put the, put them in. And oh, by the way, like so, that's a disaster. Like you don't give up left tackles, good ones in the NFL. We all know that. And the other thing is, they have a very questionable offensive line coach. The Texans have invested in their offensive line a decent amount the last couple of years, but a lot of people in Houston, including myself. We're not sure if O'Brien's offensive line coach, Mike Devlin, is any good at his job. Now, the Texans at this point, after the Laramie Tunsil deal, I mean, they've invested more into the offensive line than almost any team in the NFL. So now the offensive line better be good. Yeah, but it's so weird because they created the hole originally with Dwayne Brown over a non-football reason, and then they have yep. this rotation of, of offensive linemen. They they basically get Deshaun Watson killed, where the guy can't even go on planes for, for road games last year. He's got like a collapsed lung or whatever the hell he had. And now, it, they didn't they have a, a left tackle that was drafted by Philly one spot in front of them? They could have just moved up and selected a yep. rookie in, in the first round. And now they make the Khalil Mack trade for him. It's like, like you went from no investment in the line, but having pretty solid players to paying a premium for average commodities. It's just mismanagement again. I agree. It's fascinating. I'll give you some of the backstory on that. So the problem when you trade Dwayne Brown is all of a sudden it's very hard to sign free agent offensive linemen to draft young offensive linemen. I mean, last year that wasn't really an option. Like, like when you look at that, I think the feeling in the organization the last year and a half is that last year there was one left tackle worth paying, Nate Solder, who they tried to get from the, who ended up signing with the Giants, who wasn't actually that good with the Giants, and then this year Trent Brown. So I, I think to the Texans, I don't know if I should say credit, but listen, Danny, they knew they had a garbage offensive line the last two years. I don't think that they were operating with blinders on with that. If you look at the way O'Brien called plays last season, I mean, he was helping out with running backs and keeping a lot of guys at the line of scrimmage. He knew his offensive line was bad. But ultimately, they felt like Nate Solder was worth it. Maybe Trent Brown, who's not with Raiders, was. The Dillard, uh, Titus Howard thing, I can't figure out. And I'll tell you why. Like, Albert Breer of the MMQB, who I think is as close to Bill O'Brien as anybody in the national media, he's written a number of times that Titus Howard was the guy the Texans wanted to draft, that they did not want Andre Dillard. Uh, John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, who I know is on here on CBS Sports Radio all the time, a good friend of mine, he was on my radio show in Houston a few months ago, and John said that the Texans were offered the ability to trade for Andre Dillard, and they said no, and Titus Howard was the guy they wanted. So I don't know if they were too optimistic about Matt Khalil, who they just cut today. Uh, I don't know if they were too optimistic about Titus Howard being able to go from the FCS level to playing left tackle as a rookie in the NFL. It is very strange 
the way that they and oh by the way another thing about this Laramie Tunsil deal as I'm talking to you right now that I'm that, I, that I'm realizing is all right this deal they invested a ton into Laramie Tunsil wouldn't this have been way better to be to have been done let's say in March when you have instead of a week to get Laramie Tunsil ready you've got the entire off season that's the thing I can't figure out like it all comes back to the same thing whether it's Duke Johnson, but Clowney, and especially Laramie Tunsil. Like, what was the plan the entire offseason? It seems like this organization is totally and utterly flying by the seat of their pants. Last two things with Houston media star Mike Meltzer. What's your prediction for them in the AFC South this year? I think they are going to have – I think they're – I think the Tunsil thing is going to help them a lot because if you look at the numbers, like Deshaun Watson, when he's protected well, is just incredible. His efficiency, his numbers, touchdown interception ratio, all that. Here's the problem. Danny, you go up and down Bill O'Brien's resume, there's like like the biggest win he's ever had. If you, if you ask me, like, what's Bill's biggest win? I'd say it was beating the 8-0 Bengals back in 2015 on Monday night. He has very few big wins. They have a tough schedule. Like, they play the AFC West. They play a lot of top quarterbacks, and I think ultimately with their weaknesses uh, a little bit up front in the secondary and on the coaching staff, I think it's probably 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, and seven. I could see them winning, winning the AFC South, but I can't see, until proven otherwise, this team going deep in the playoffs. I hope they do, but the coach has a lot to prove on that front. Do you think Bill O'Brien's their coach in two years? <sighs> I'm going to say, man, this is tough. Because the weird thing, I, I think there's a, I think nationally people are going to say no. If I had to bet my life, I would say no, just because if you have bad seasons with what they have done this offseason, it's going to create a complete firestorm locally and nationally. But I don't think it's, in, I think it's totally in play that he is, because even though they have done this in sort of a Madden sort of way, flying by the seat of their pants, the fact is they do have some top-end talent. They still have a really good young quarterback. They've got a really top-end tackle now, a young guy in Laramie Tunsil, and they've got Watt, and they've got DeAndre Hopkins. And so with that, with the power that O'Brien has amassed, it might be enough to keep them competitive and to and for O'Brien to say, hey, I was here when you guys got Watt, and I was the guy who pulled the trigger on getting Laramie Tunsil, and he might still be around. Again, gun to my head, I'd say no. But I think the chances of him staying, which would be, I think, like eight years at that point, are not insignificant whatsoever. At Mike Meltzer on Twitter, Houston media star. you got to follow him. He's doing big things. Mike, thank you very much for the time, buddy. Thank you, Danny. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.